Uh, grab all of your Bibles and we're going to go to the word of the Lord. We're going to read in the Bible today. Hallelujah. In the word of the Lord. And I'm going to go to the book of Matthew chapter 2 verse number 1. And the Bible says, and after Jesus was born, that's powerful right there, ain't it? Just that part alone is a blessing, right? Come on, hallelujah. Jesus was born. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, that guy from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Now, some context here. These were, we call them wise men. And in the Christmas story, you always see three of them. We even have songs about it. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we... Come on, y'all know y'all still know the old Christmas songs, right? Amen. No, y'all got the new, the new ones, right? But amen. But they were not just three. History would have told you. And uh, you know, they didn't come to the manger. A lot of times you see them depicted there in the manger laying their gifts. Jesus was born already. They actually met him in a house. And the Bible says that these men were coming looking for the king of the Jews. We don't know who they were. All the Bible tells us was that these were people from the far east. So for you to understand, Rome had an empire at the time. And there was another empire in the far east that often would be a threat to Rome. And these men traveled in packs. These were not poor men. These were rich men. These were wealthy men. And when they traveled, they just didn't travel as these lonely, broken down, busted men. They would travel extravagantly. They would have servants. They would come set up. So when they rolled into your town, it was like something big is about to happen. And it Definitely made King Herod nervous when these men just rolled up into town. Well, the question is, why'd you come? They said, we've seen a star in the sky, right? We saw his star when it rose and we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Later, Herod asked him a question. When, have you, when, when did you first see the star or when did it appear to you? People argue over what was the star in the sky. Was it a literal star that was moving? Did God bring one closer? Some people say it was Jupiter. Some people say all sorts of things. I have a theory. And this theory is linked to what happened to the shepherds. The Bible says that when the angels appeared, the glory of the Lord shone so bright that it's possible what they saw appeared in the sky was the Shekinah glory of God pointing the way. That's my theory. You don't have to subscribe to it. 
you can do whatever you want. Hallelujah. But for some reason, this light kept appearing and guiding. And it was so bright and it was in the sky that they followed the star. And naturally, they came to a place where they thought a king would be born in a palace. So they came to Herod's house. Herod, Herod, Herod. Herod is old at this point. Herod is an old man. And he's going to die soon. Not long after this, Herod dies. But Herod as an old man got old ways. I mean, you know that if you don't change when you're young, that's why some people are like, leave old people alone. Sometimes I just, you got to pray for me. Because not because you're old, it gives you an excuse to be bitter and sinful. There's no verse in the Bible that says once you're past this age, all your sins is right. Bitter young people turn bitter old people. Angry young people turn angry old people. Broken young people turn broken old people. Non-apologizing young people become non-apologizing old people. And so when you didn't want to apologize in your marriage and the marriage is broken, now you don't want to apologize to the children, now you're older. <laughs> wasn't me this time <laughs> old age is not an excuse for evil come on turn to your neighbor and tell them old age ain't an excuse for evil if you sit next to your parents good luck <laughs> who you talking to boy <laughs> Herod is old You don't want to be around Herod. Herod heard one time that two of his sons was trying to overthrow him. And he heard this from another son. And so he had those two sons killed. Because you don't mess with Herod's throne. You see, Herod was not the king of the Jews. The Romans put him in power because they could control him. He was a puppet. And he never got respect from the actual Jews because he ain't one of them. And he works. He works for the man. <laughs> he works for Rome. Y'all following so far? And Herod was given this title from Rome to mock the people. This is your king, king of the Jews. But Herod, he held to that position. It meant a lot to him. He found his worth in that position. And so anything that threatened his position, 
you got to die. And so he killed his two sons. Herod killed a wife and then had a memorial built to her. Later on, the one son who told on the two sons, yeah, yeah. Herod was such a mean person and disliked person that it is said that when he died, he called in his officials and ordered a bunch of them to be killed. The reason is, this was his thinking. He knew nobody would mourn when he died. <laughs> that there would be great rejoicing when he dies. I mean, you know, when a tyrant leader dies, nations rejoice. There are some leaders that can punish a nation for no reason. And his mindset was, if I kill a lot of them, people going to cry for them. So there's going to be grief in the land, and it'll feel like it's for me. This is not a nice man. And this is who the... The only reason you didn't see Herod killed the Magi is because unlike the conventional Christmas stories, these ain't no soft men with just funny clothes. You touch us, you dealing with an empire. So when they rolled up, they said... We came looking for the king of the Jews. And look at verse number three. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Somebody say disturbed. disturbed. And the next verse makes sense because when Herod is disturbed, all of Jerusalem is going to pay. Do y'all follow that? When Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with him. Let's pray over the word of the Lord today. God, I bless your name for your word. And I just pray that you would have your way in this place. That you would speak to the lives of the people in this room. And that you would cause us to be transformed forever. I thank you for your glory and your power. And who you are. And what you're going to do in this house. In Jesus name. Amen. There are two things I learned in science class. I learned a lot more. But two I want to share with you today. One of them is weathering. Weathering is a process of which the wearing or being worn out of materials happens because of long exposure to certain weather conditions. So there's this table, if you leave it out in the weather long enough and you come look at the table after a year or two, it will not look the same. Because it has been exposed to sunlight in the hot summers and it has ex been exposed to rain falling on it and, and snow falling on it and, and to cold weather conditions. And what the weather does is after the material has been exposed to it for too long, it has an effect on it. 
changes the way it looks. Sometimes the weather is so powerful that it can destroy the actual thing. It can break things up. It can destroy things. It can damage things. Things weather. If you leave metal out for too long in certain conditions, you come back a year or so, it might rust. And when you pick it up, it might become brittle and broken. And because it was exposed to something for too long, it becomes destroyed or impacted. I want you to know what's true in weathering is true for people. That sometimes people can get exposed to certain things. And just the, the first exposure can have an impact. But sometimes not only are you exposed to certain things, you can be exposed to it for long periods of time. And the exposure to things after a long period of time can have an effect and a damage and it can break your life. Hallelujah. When a child grows up into a home where he sees mom and dad arguing and he's exposed to that for many years, that no doubt has an effect on that child's mind. When a child is exposed to abuse, there is no doubt it has an effect on them. When you get married and you see certain things in another person that you didn't see before the marriage and that is you're exposed to it and you have to deal with it for a long time. It has tremendous impact on your life. Hallelujah. When you are exposed to certain things after a long time, it can damage you. There's no doubt in my mind that there's probably people in this room who have been exposed to things for too long. And it has had an impact on your life. There's another thing that happens in science called erosion. And how erosion happens, one of the way I see this firsthand, it can happen with rivers and streams. What it is is that the rivers flow in into the body that is holding it. And as it flows, it is depositing things. And not only is it depositing things, it is digging up things. And it's moving it along. And after a long time, if you go look at where a river is and you see years and years of what has passed through, you'll see the difference from when you first saw the river. And what's true for that is also true for us. Sometimes in our life, it's not what we're exposed to. It's what has passed through our lives that came into our lives and deposited things that was never meant to be there. Somebody plant a thought in your mind and told you something. Somebody told you you were never good enough. Somebody told you that you don't look beautiful. Somebody, <laughs> and when they deposit these things, you spend the rest of your life trying to get rid of them. Hallelujah. You know, somebody can tell you one word that you spend the next 10 years for trying to repair. Unfortunately, these words don't come from just any and everybody. They come from precious people that flows in our life. They come from family members. They come from friends that we've had friendship for years with. They come from even our church brothers and sisters. Sometimes people can come into your life and drop off something. And leave you with some baggages that you don't know how to get rid of. Is there anybody in this room that might be carrying a bag or two 
that you wish you just knew how to get rid of. Not only do they drop stuff off, there are some people who come into your life and all they do is take. They don't, you wish they would drop something off. Every time you see them here, they come. Matter of fact, you name them in their phone. Take. Who's calling? Don't worry, I ain't got it. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? There are people in your life, all they know is what you got and what you could give to them. All they do is take. They take your advice. They take all the advice you got. And whenever you call them and you're down, they tell you they're a little busy. I'll call you later. Right now, I'm getting in an Uber. <laughs> Can't talk right now. They take your advice. They take your money. Come on, somebody. They take your money. That don't affect this audience because this audience don't give their money. <laughs> this, uh, I'm trying to see if anybody, uh, they take their money. Audience like, nope, I'm smarter than that. You ain't <laughs> this a New York audience. That works in another state. But there are people that do come and they take your kindness. They take, they take the sugar in your house. Come on, they come at Thanksgiving and take all the... F they, they're takers in this life. They take, they take your advice. They take everything you can possibly give. They take, they take, and they take, and you give, and you give, and you give. And then you realize after a while, they took my peace of mind. Because the problem wasn't you giving. The problem wasn't they taking. The problem was when they took and they left, they talked about you. And there was no loyalty to you. And after all the giving you have given to them, they find one fault in you and Dog you out. You had to forgive many times what they did. Their wrongs were always right. They always had an excuse for why they did what they did. But when you did one thing wrong. They forgot everything they took from you. And the last thing they took was your peace of mind. Oh, who am I talking to in the house today? There's people that allowed people in their life that have taken everything from you. Some of you didn't allow anybody. You were born into a life where the takers were there. Growing up, they took from you. And if you're not careful... Whether you've been exposed to something crazy or whether something ran in your life and has wrecked your life, what is left is an individual who can be really broken, who can question everything about themselves, and you operate from that broken place. You operate 
from what has happened to you. Oh, ain't nobody going to take from me ever again. The last person that ever... Come on, talk to me in this place. You know, some people could never date again because of what the last person did. The last marriage, hallelujah, caused that person to be so scarred, hallelujah, that not even the kindness of another person you accept. Somebody gives you a gift for Christmas, why are you giving me this? What do you want? I don't want anything. I just gave you a gift. You know, I know you. I know you're kind. All men are dogs. <laughs> Come on, talk to me in the house. Talk to me in this house. If you're not careful, it causes you not to even want to try to do certain things in life anymore because you feel so broken. They told you about your appearance so much that you're not confident in how you look. Some of you don't even take pictures for the gram. I'm not photogenic. I never knew what that meant. Photogenic? As long as the picture could be taken and it's on the photo, it's genic. I don't know what that meant, but you understood. What are you trying to say? Hallelujah. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, it can cause you not to want to take photos. It can cause you to be conscious of how you look everywhere you go. You worry about how you look. You don't like some part of your body, you're always covering it up. Somebody told you, you're too big or you're too small. You're in the gym every week trying to work off. Now you're so skinny, looking like, stop it, Bridge. Stop it, Pastor Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Behave yourself. And now you're so, somebody told you, and you go to these extremes, there's never a balance in your life because people don't understand why there's no balance in your life. And, and what's funny is, what your issue is, you start to make everybody else issue. You ever, you ever went out to eat with other people and this is time to eat. If you take me to a restaurant, I don't expect for you to, to have a health uh, consciousness. If that's the case, take me to a vegan spot. But don't take me to some, where we going? Where y'all want to go? Every time. Cheesecake factory. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> Don't take me to Cheesecake Factory and then tell me we should look at salads. The, the, the name is... Do, do you follow what I'm saying? But, but, but when you sit around that person who is dealing with that issue, because that's their issue, they sit around and, and, and when it's time for you to order, you like, yo, bring me a big ribeye, you know what I'm saying, with the, the loaded mash, put all the, everything, put everything in the mash, and then they say, well, you got your potatoes. Would you like some salad? Nah, I want fries too. I want more potatoes. <laughs> and that person, what are you ordering? I'm just going to order a salad because I don't eat unhealthy. <laughs> it's not that they're wrong. They're trying to make you feel bad because of what they feel bad about. And if you're not careful, you can worry about how you look. There's people in this room that worry about how they look. You're not confident in who you are. And you will forever be shopping to try to feel good because you don't feel good in your name. You feel good in the brand that you wear. But I want you to know those clothes don't make you anything. 
I wish I could have told the rappers that years and years ago that all you did was promote these brands so that you could, a shirt could cost $1,000 in one of these stores just because you wore it and talked about it so much. And they never paid you for the advertising. Should have made your own clothes. Uh, right along those lines, Church City merch is available. Yeah. Wear my own clothes. Your clothes don't make you who you are. Some people walk around just because this is $200. This is $500. This is $600. And you are $4. And your attitude is negative three. Who cares what, 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 that don't make you who you are. But you buying the stuff because something inside you says somebody deposited or took something from you or you've been exposed for something for too long. Some people will never, ever try to do something that you can be great at because you're scared to fail. So the things that you're safe with, you keep doing, but you're scared to fail. You go where the money is secured. You don't go where the risk is. That's dream talk today. You go where the guaranteed money is. You don't go where they say you might fall flat on your face, but trust God. That's not dream talk. That's will of God talk. There's a difference now. Hallelujah, because where the will of God is, God tells you about the... God, God's business plan is always seek first. Seek first. Human's business plan, we want to know how much we going to make first. Come on. Hallelujah. When you applied to the job, the first thing you looked at was, what's the salary? Who am I talking to in this house? Before you do a job, you want to know how much you pay me. Come on. Hallelujah. When you call me, people call me and be like, Pastor Rich, we want you to come and do this concert and do what you did in that arena. Oh, yeah. It's for the kingdom. It is. Let's go on Jamaica Avenue and witness. Oh, well, you know. Because what I do is I'm kingdom all day, but that's a concert. And that's a ticket price. So if it's for the kingdom, make it free. You pay all the expenses. Then all of a sudden things change. The point I'm trying to make to you. I don't know why I said all that. Is that the human nature is to say, let's talk money first, not God. God says, let's talk kingdom first. Yes, yes. And then yes. all these things. And I think it's rather not smart when you're negotiating with God to think about money first because of who you're talking to. If I ever sat with Elon Musk, the last thing I'll be asking is, are you able 
to pay. This is Elon. Y'all ain't saying nothing. For all of the people who don't know Elon, who's Elon? He's come to this church. <laughs> brother Elon, who's Brother Elon? Brother Elon, if you're watching, and we are streaming on X, holla at your boy. Let me get to my point so I can get you out of here. If you're not careful, these things can cause you to develop insecurities. And these insecurities, what they do is they stifle you from living to your fullest potential. And God wants to free you from every insecurity. If I were to title my sermon, it would be Insecure. Now I'm a rapper, so let that sink in. I am insecure. Hallelujah. The first thing that you must notice about Herod is that Herod was in a position. And the thing is, not because you have insecurities mean that you won't have positions in life. Insecure people get married, that's a position. Insecure people become fathers and mothers, that's a position. Insecure people become managers. Insecure people become presidents. Yeah, people make it all the way to, to top places and are still broken. But here's what you must know, here's my first point. Positions and roles magnifies your insecurities. That whenever you think I'm going to go on to another level and that level will hide and mask the deficiencies that I had on the lower level, what they do is they highlight them even more. And so the higher you go is the more you will be exposed. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying? So, so if you're a single person now and you think marriage is going to get rid of all of the issues you think you have as a single person... All marriage will do is highlight the issue you never dealt with. Where are the married people at in here? How many of you, your marriage has highlighted some things in you Amen. that you just want to turn the light off? It was better in the dark. A lot of things you thought was normal and you can get away with, you just can't get away with when you're married. Single people understand that. Hallelujah. For all my single people who think, you know, you might, have, you might have a lust problem, and you think when I get married, God will fix that lust problem. Oh, no, 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 no. You have a whole wife in another room and lusting in another room. Did he just say that? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say it again. You have a whole husband in one room and lusting in another room. Marriage does not get rid of the problems. It only highlights the problems you have. And every time you get elevated, be careful because you run the risk of being exposed. You ever notice whenever somebody runs for a high office in land, how everybody pulls the curtain back on everything they've ever done? Yeah. 
That's a great example of what really happens in real life. The higher you go is the more the deficiencies get exposed. And what happened to Herod was here was a man who for some reason is a broken man. He is the original Grinch that tried to stop Christmas. Is put into the position of power and the power is exposing all of his insecurities. He don't want nobody else to be in power. Which brings me to my second point. When you are insecure of your position, you create opposition. Because you're not confident in your giftings and where you are, because you don't believe it is God who placed you there, because you're not confident that God is able to do what he said in your life, anything that now threatens your position, you make an opposition. So God blessed you as a manager at a job and somebody who's articulate comes in the job and oh, they, they're just so happy to have the job and everybody on the workplace starts liking that person. Guess what happens to you? All of a sudden, you realize you're feeling a little bit jelly, bro. And you start to get jealous over the new employee that is there because everybody likes that employee and they actually listen to them and they go to them with questions before they come to you and inside of you, you're boiling over and guess what you do? Because you're not confident that on the door that says you're the supervisor, you're not, you don't even see that that's your name. You are watching what they are and you might start to think, They'll take my spot. And then you start creating scenarios right on the job to hurt that person, to get rid of that person. When it's time to evaluate that person, you start writing all types of negative stuff. Oh, make no mistakes about it. When you're not confident in who you are, you create. People get married. Women get married. And because they never dealt with all the issues of jealousy and all of the cheating that happened to them prior, they are married to a husband. And everywhere the husband goes, which woman you with? What do you mean? I'm in a car downstairs waiting for you. <laughs> Your insecurities start to every, they, they go on, on social media. All y'all wanted him, but I get him. And all the women in the world is like, who wanted him? We glad you take him. You did the market a favor. When you take it off, hallelujah, come on, come back. American people are like, what is happening here? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because of your insecurity, you start acting, you, 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 you watch your money all types of ways when you're insecure. You think everybody, you start create. You create enemies. People get married and have issues. One of the hardest places to get married in is in your finances. I feel like I'm doing a marriage seminar today. <laughs> People always get married and got a secret account. That supposedly their mother told them this is the in-case account. Right. <laughs> I want to speak to that mother. <laughs> Stop telling your child if they're going to go into marriage, have an in-case. Tell them there's no in-case. Tell them that God is able to keep your marriage. And all the people at home like, why are he talking to us? <laughs> do do y'all understand what I'm saying? You, you create opposition. You create enemies. 
you, you, you can't enjoy nothing because everybody, you're a pastor, you're a leader of a ministry, and everybody is a threat to you. Somebody walks in and they're like more. You feel that their success is your failure. Somebody succeed in the area you've been trying to succeed in. Instead of you learning from them, they are now your enemy. They are now your competition. Sometimes the people you make your competition was supposed to be your mentor. But because you were too insecure, their confidence and success broke you. And it's exposing who you are. Come on, hallelujah. Insecure people, this is how they secure themselves. By not securing others. They cut people, they do snaky and funny stuff. And that's what Herod did. Herod said, y'all want to be king? Let's find a way to kill him. And anybody that threatened his position, he found a way to get rid of them. Are you somebody who's conniving? You know, I used to walk around and, and hear stories growing up and hear adults speak about what people did to them. And I used to say, man, do people really do evil and conniving things? And then I got older and I met people. Now, if I were to be honest, it's easy for me to preach about what people did to me. And believe me, they did. But I want to go deeper and I want to be transparent. There were times where I had a little Herod in me. You just ain't going to do what you think you could do I am going to pray for you who you think you are I ain't gonna talk to you ever again cut the relationship off I don't care I don't care if you bleeding and dying now I'm gonna be the only one honest because I know all of you are saints and nobody has a Herod inside of them the older you get is the more that Herod start coming up in you. you like, bro, when I was a kid, I loved Jesus. I saw the Mary and Joseph. We hated you, Herod. You didn't know you were going to grow up to be Herod. You didn't know you were going to grow up to be jealous. You didn't know you were going to grow up and talk bad about people behind their back. Oh, I'm the only one who's ever said anything bad about somebody. I'm the only one who ever said when everybody was bigging up somebody and I felt a little jelly, I said, yeah, but their shoes is ugly if you ask me. I'm the only musician who ever walked into the room and heard everybody bigging up another song and say, well, you know, they don't, they don't write real rap. That's your way of saying you jelly, bro. To all the rappers out there, stop saying real rap. It's not coming back, whatever that is in your mind. You know, right, Romel is a drummer playing away, and you know you nice, and things ain't going the way. You hear another drummer playing, everybody's like, oh, Romel, he bought. you like, he could have hit that double kick a little better. <laughs> Come on, talk to me. And that probably comes from a place when you were a kid, your parent never, ever saw you. They always say, why can't you be like your cousin? My cousin. We grown now, he ain't saved. We gotta say no, mom. We gotta say no, dad. 
Parents got to watch what they say. One thing I have never done is tell my kids to be like anybody else. I never even tell them to be like their siblings. Be you. Be you, Savannah. Whatever that is, be you, my girl. Because you don't ever want them living to compare themselves. And then when they get older, they find Herod inside of them. Come on, talk to me in this house. Insecure leaders and people will never empower or develop secure leaders. You're a parent. Your brokenness you will only pass on to your children. Some of you are broken and you don't know why you're broken and it's because your parents were broken. And they broke you. And now you, you, you don't believe me? When you get older, what's the one thing you start to say after a while? I sound like... Oh, snap. Have you ever said that? I'm starting to act like... And some of you say, well, I don't have that problem because he was never there. Well, is there somebody in your life that is currently saying, how come you don't ever show up for me? If you're not careful, you're going to pass on those issues. You're going to talk to people anyhow. You're going to treat any people how. And this is the Herod effect. Insecure people spend more time fighting to stay in the position, but won't ever do the actual work. Listen to this point. Who you are shapes what you do. And what you do flows from who you are. So... If you want to be somebody who's really affecting society positively, you got to change who you are. You got to change who you are. If you're in this room and there's any type of brokenness in you, any type of bitterness, any type of grudge you're holding on to, any type of low self-esteem you're dealing with, those are the things that will stop you from living life to the fullest. Oh, and some of you will say, but I'm in a position. Yeah, so was Herod. Oh, but I've got money. So did Herod. Oh, but I've got prestige. People come to me. So they did to Herod. All of the outer stuff that you got to dress it up still does not fix the inner problem that you're having and all you're doing is constantly trying to cover up the brokenness inside and that is not why Jesus came if you're a believer in this house stop living the gospel in a way in which you think the gospel exists only for me to try to make it look like it works in my life you know, people love to pretend to be a Christian, but never feel the power of God. God just don't want you to act like you have been delivered from alcohol. God wants to deliver you from alcohol. 
God don't want you to act like you ain't hooked on pornography. He wants to kill that lust demon. He wants to kill that sexual appetite that is out of control. Oh, hear me in this place. God don't want you to act like you know how to manage money, but you're really broke and struggling. God wants to teach you how to be a steward, that you never own anything, that the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. And if you put him first and look at your finances as though they belong to him, and I got to give an account for every dollar I spend, you'll live different with your money. God don't want you to walk around and act like you think you're beautiful. God wants you to walk around with confidence knowing I'm a child of the king. God don't want you to walk around broken. And too many believers, we, we, we learn how to fake it and not faith it. The Bible says you're the head and not the tail in this room. The Bible says you're above and not beneath. The Bible says that you're joint ears with Christ. The Bible says that all these things God will do in your life if you trust him. But too many of us, we live a surface Christianity. We don't want to go deeper with God. And we hold on to our brokenness. Another reason is people find their identity in their brokenness. I don't know. I was talking to somebody about this this week. Somebody likes to be broken. I was interviewed this week and they asked me about that. They, somehow we got there, and I was telling them a story of, of uh, a story, amen? I'm just going to say it's a story. There was a man who his leg was affected on the job, and as a result, he got workers' comp. And he got workers' comp for the leg. And uh, he was a churchgoer, and he, he liked the workers' comp because he was paying them well. <laughs> Hallelujah. Didn't have to work, and I was getting money for the rest of my life, hallelujah, this, this is a good deal. So one day he was in church and a, a preacher who was a, a miracle believer said, I'm believing that God can perform miracles today. Would anybody like to come for a miracle? And people were naturally coming up to receive prayer. And somebody looked over and said, why don't you go up and get healing for your leg? And, and he said, absolutely not, because, because God might just heal me. And if he heals me, he going to mess up my money. Hallelujah. So he never went for healing. In other words, he found his identity in his brokenness. And if you're not careful, you like the attention you get from being broken. Your family should stop paying you mind when you wild out and say, you crazy, we ain't dealing with you no more. You might like that. Some people are weird. They like weird attention. Some people can't live without an argument. Some people always argue with you and then tell you all the things the therapist told them. Well, you know, they told me I'm this and that and I should be taking medic. We don't, and after a while, I, when they told you, do it. <laughs> this too tough, this. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Some people don't ever want to do the work to change because they like the places they are in. For some reason, they receive some weird attention and they never want to change. The goal is not to stay broken and say how broken you are. It's like we are in a competition to see who's more broken. You ever get around broken people? They talk to one another, what's going on? Oh, you know, so much going on. There. And then they want to throw Christianese in there. But God is faithful. But you know, my life has not been easy. If y'all only know you ever met that person everybody sharing their life they come in a conversation <laughs> now that y'all talk let me tell you my life what's so special about you I went through way more than you 
what did you win? win nothing for going through more the goal is not to be broken the goal is to be made whole the goal is not to be sad the goal is to be happy the goal is not to walk around with, with, like the world is against you the goal is to know that if God be for me who can be against me ask God to help you with insecurity that you might have at the core of insecurities is a struggle with letting go and letting God. What do you mean by that? I mean that, yes, somebody did you wrong, but you don't want to forgive because you feel like if I forgive them, they got away with it. You feel like if I let go and trust that God will fix this, that's... In other words, you're telling God, you can't fix this. I'm going to handle this my way. And I'm going to be bitter against them. I won't talk to them. I won't smile with them. And somebody said, bitterness is like you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Come on, talk to me in this place. I know people do bad and horrible things to us. But it is in your best interest to let it go and let God have his way. And don't go to God and just pray, God, God punish them. God, you see my ex-husband kill him. I'll never forget me and Sister Sherry, when we were young Christians, we used to take this older lady home. She went home to be with the Lord now. She was a strong praying woman. And one day we said, my sis, we sat with her in Far Rockaway up in one of them high rise. And we said, tell us your story. We think we're just going to hear a good story. And most of it was good, how the Lord was doing stuff in her life. So... He said, so what happened to your husband? She said, that man was a wicked man. She was Jamaican. She was Jamaican. She said, that man was a wicked man. He did a lot of wrong to me. He did many wrong to me, brother Rich. So what happened to him? I went to the Lord in prayer. No, Jamaicans don't even say prayer. They say prayer. I went to the Lord in prayer. Like Jamaicans pray different. They have a prayer and a priority. I went to the Lord in prayer. Who my Jamaican people at? I'm wrong. That's how you say it, right? Right, brother Lord? Take it to the Lord in prayer. When a Jamaican say we go into the Lord in prayer... Heaven about to fall. I said, and what did, you, what did you take up with the Lord in prayer? She said, I said, God, save him or kill him. Change him or kill him. I know y'all want to know the rest, right? I said, so what happened? Him dead. <laughs>
said, I will never get on your bad side. I need you on my prayer team. No, sometimes people hurt you so bad that, that that's how you feel. God, kill them. God, hurt them. Because of how deep you've been wounded. There might be a mother or father in your life. You just can't. And you try. Might be a friend. It might be something that happened in your life. And you just, you just can't. You just, you just don't know how to let go. If you don't let go, you're going to have the Herod effect happening in your life. Where you're going to be fighting every and anybody. Ask God to help you. At the core, it's a struggle with trust in God. Whoever said you were never good enough, whoever looked at you and said you're ugly, because people say that. People say something's wrong with your face. People, 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 racism made you feel that you're not the right color. I was mixed race. I didn't fit in anywhere, bro. I felt it from everybody. Like everybody. And I'm feeling racism right now as I preach. Y'all know what to pray for him, Brother Steve. In front of the congregation, Sam. In front of the whole congregation. Steve always laughs because I tell him I didn't always get picked first on the basketball team. And he somehow equated, never mind. I'll let y'all figure the rest of that out. People might have told you you ain't the right skin color. I remember when, when my, my father first moved to this country. We weren't rich. We lived in a basement. Three brothers sleeping in the same room. Father, everybody, everybody in the same space. I don't, thank God I was little then. I don't got, maybe I blocked those memories out. Sometimes you don't remember where you came from. We didn't have much. And so I used to get my cousin's clothes to go to school because we didn't have clothes. And the one area, you know, you could get away with a big shirt. <laughs> Come on, work with me here. You could get away, but you can't get away with shoes. And my father, I love that man dearly because I'm so much like him now. So much like him. It's horrible how much I'm like him. I would not say cheap. He was an economizer. <laughs> and if you grew up in New York City, you just didn't go to school. School was a fashion show in New York. When it was the first day of school, you had everything pressed. You had your outfit for the, you had every sneaker. And here come my dad. You wouldn't believe what I find on the clearance. And it was only $2. 
What'd you find, Dad? It didn't have laces. So I buy a lace. <laughs> All right, Dad. All right, I know, I know. I'm trying to save him. <laughs> What'd you buy? And everybody'd have Jordans and whatever sneakers, and I'd have like Voids. <laughs> Jack and Fubu, that was a blessing if I get that. We bless God for the ministry of Shaquille. You would go to school with some of these shoes. But as God blessed my family, things don't always stay the same. And as God blessed my family, we were able to afford. And then God blessed us and moved us out of that apartment, moved us into an apartment. And I didn't understand my dad's mindset. He was planting this church. And he was taking every dollar he had to put in the church. And he built this church. And then he built a home for his family. He bought his wife and his children a house. And then he went home to be with the Lord. Job done. Goodbye. But when I went to school, coming back to me now because I didn't want to make my father look that bad I had to clean that up I walked to school with voids and the comments I heard so for the rest of my life I'm always on some I've grown up now and I gave that away to God I said God I can't be worried about how I look all the time because people made fun of me I'm at a place now. One time somebody just from watching the ministry just said we want to bless you and sent a bunch of sneakers to my house. I said, look at this. The man whose shoes they laughed at, I don't even pay for it. Look at the goodness of God. I'm telling you, when you let go of things, you open the floodgates for blessings to come in your life. Some of the things I got that people walk up, yo, where'd you get that from? Well, my shoes, you see, devil, you're trying. You see, you saw that, right? You saw that, right? You see how the devil worked? You see this, right? I mind you, Satan, right now. Take the, Joseph, take the camera off, man. All the camera on me. Tape an audience member at that point. Let me tell you something. I don't know what I'll say. Ask God to remove it. Our personal worth and security must come from our relationship with God. Herod never had a relationship with God. And can I tell you what's sad about Herod's story? The people who could have introduced him to God were no better than him. Because when these men came looking, he called for the leaders of the church to come and tell him about the prophecy. They never even went to search for Jesus. They didn't even care that there was a Messiah coming. So their attitude towards their own belief. Sometimes you can think that some people can't get saved because of how evil and mean they are. Don't be surprised at who God could change. That's why this ministry, Church City, is not for folks who think they got it all together. Because if you got it all together, you're already in. 
I will go to the what the world considers the lowest of lows. What the world said is not accepted in academia. What the world says is rejected by every corners of the earth. This is a place you belong because you are who Christ came for. And the people who should have told him about God, they didn't even tell him. Herod had a star come to show him who God was. Herod had the Torah read to him and still didn't accept. Herod had wise men from the east coming to tell him something is born in your land. And Herod's response is, kill the baby. My last point. Some people don't mind Jesus being king. They just mind him being their king. Herod was very afraid of Christmas happening. Herod wanted to be in control. Herod feared that if he opened his life to Christ, he would lose his freedom and position. Herod's biggest fear was that he didn't want anyone to be in control except him. I don't want anyone else to be king except me. No one else to govern my life. It is called pride. I don't want to serve anyone. I don't want to do anything for God. Not even the God who made me, I want to do anything for. This king could have gone to see the king of kings. But he ended up dying a miserable man. Because he always wanted to be in control of every moment of his life. Can I tell you something, folks? It's easy to point fingers at Herod. But this is every one of us in here. I'd like to think when I read the Christmas story, I can relate to the shepherds. And in some way, I can. I'd like to think I'm the wise man. Wise men still seek God. I'd like to think I can relate to Mary and her faithfulness. And Joseph's a just man. But there's another guy in the story that I think I'm much more like. That we don't like to talk about. And that is this Herod. Who was broken. And said as long as I got to bow my knees and my pride to him. And give him control. I will never do that. And I'm here to tell you today. Unless you bow and give God whatever it is, whatever those issues are that you're battling with, you're not going to win in this life. Every head bow, every eyes closed.